everyone. We wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Chicago House of Za. If you order at least $50 worth of their delicious and homemade vegan pizzas, you can get 10% off if you use our promo code HORROR. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. The Chicago House of Za is a family-owned and all-vegan pizza place that unfortunately had to close down because of the pandemic, but they were still able to start a web store and ship their tasty, tasty frozen pizzas nationwide, so I know they would really, really, really appreciate the support. Their website is chicagoveganpizza.com, and you can also find them at Vegan Deep Dish on Instagram. We will include the web link in our show notes. Go get your 10% off with the promo code HORROR. That's H-O-R-R-O-R. And now, on to the show. Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello, and welcome to Whores Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And this is our March Tidbits of Terror episode. Spencer, play that jingle. Tidbits of Terror, Terror Tidbits, Tidbits of Terror, Terror Tidbits. Thank you, as always, uh, to classical composer and Philip Glass aficionado, Carrie Weeder, for our Tidbits of Terror theme song. On this Tidbits episode, we have Tim Burton News, a story about an adopted woman who discovers some shocking information about her biological father father, some true crime TV to check out, and a sequel to a must-watch horror documentary, and much more. But first, we actually have a corrections corner. Mm, what are we correcting? This is our very first corrections corner, I think. Um, Does that mean that you've been correct all the time? <laughs> it means yes. we're absolutely perfect. We've never made a mistake until now. Absolutely. No. Yes, we are. <laughs> I just um, contradicted myself. I said, no, yes, we are. <laughs> Um, we are going to be uh, correcting a little bit about our story we did on the Bell Witch Cave. Last week we had an episode, it was episode number 87, on the most haunted towns in the U.S. We talked about the Bell Witch Cave in Adams, Tennessee, and Mindy said she didn't like caves, so she probably wouldn't go there, to which I said something like, I don't think it takes place in an actual cave or there is an actual cave. Um, I was wrong. There is an actual cave in the story. But the the story that we told on our show took place in a farmhouse. (laughs) There was no mention of a cave. I don't know. Um, But there is a cave. It's actually a karst cave. Karst is a type of landscape where the dissolving of the bedrock has created sinkholes, sinking streams, caves, springs, and other characteristic features. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you didn't know, now you know, karst is associated with soluble rock types such as limestone, marble, and gypsum. This is where all the people come to get their geology news from the horse talk horror. <laughs> yeah, and that's all stuff that's conductive, supposedly, of paranormal activity. See, this is not just a corrections corner. This is also science corner. Right? Limestone, bedrock. Hey, man, I'm still <laughs> not going in that cave. 
And um, there's also some other news that I found out uh, when I was just looking up to see if there was a cave. According to occultworld.com, the cave is located near the farmhouse in the center of a bluff overlooking a river. A disturbed indigenous people's burial mound lies on the bluff above the entrance to the cave, which to me, that is scarier than if there was a possible witch living in or near the cave. Like, you do not fuck with sacred ground. Right? Exactly. 100% agree. The cave is small, but extends deep into the bluff. Due to the narrowness of the passage, visitors can enter only about 500 feet of the cave. Yeah, I I am in no way in hell going near this cave. Absolutely <laughs> not. You have to worry about ghosts. You have to worry about being in a very claustrophobic environment. So. I don't like caves. I don't want to trespass on sacred ground. None of the above. Thank you very much. Visitors have recorded EVPs inside the cave, and a bizarre photographic effect is said to occur at the entrance of the cave. Many photographs that people have taken do not come out at all, while others have missing people and objects or show objects that were not present when the photographs were taken. It's also said that there are mists that show up in the photographs. Hmm. An indigenous woman's bones were discovered during construction work on a nearby road and were interred in the cave. So they found bones and then they're like, let's just go and throw them in this cave. The bones were then stolen. And since then, bad luck seems to happen to people who take anything from the cave, such as even just a stone. No fuck. (laughs) Right. I say, gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Glowing balls of light have been photographed inside the cave, and the apparition of a woman has been seen inside, floating along the passage. Mindy also said in our episode on Haunted Towns that she thought that possibly Kate Batts, a.k.a. the Bell's Witch, was a real person and possibly a neighbor of the Bell family. Well, according to liveabout.com, the prevailing account is that Kate was the spirit of Kate Batts, a mean old neighbor of John Bell who believed she was cheated by John in a land purchase. On her deathbed, she swore that she would haunt John Bell and his descendants. Okay, I can, I fail at trivia every damn time, but I knew this detail. What the fuck? Well, wait, hold up. Because according to a USA Today article and also Adams, Tennessee historian Tim Henson, Mm. he says that people always think that Kate Batts is the witch from the legend, but what people usually don't know is that Kate Batts was related to the Bell family. She was Lucy Bell's niece, so John Bell's wife's niece. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, do that family tree. (laughs) Oh, no, my God. Figure that out. Um, And yet another inconsistency in the story comes from the Tennessee State Library and Archives, and it is said that Benjamin Batts, so Kate's brother-in-law, is the one that actually had the dispute with John, and it was not over the sale of land, but over the sale of a slave. And the story was eventually twisted and became a dispute between John and Kate. Um, I also read that there is no proof that the Bells ever owned slaves. So are we ever going to know the 
entirety of this story. It seems like it's been, um, you know, it took place so long ago. There's, there's so many different stories and legends and things have been twisted. And I don't think there's concrete proof of any of this. So it's kind of like, believe what you want, pick and choose. I would probably choose to believe the historian of Adams, Tennessee. I mean, it's a town of 700 people and there's a historian just on this small little town. I'm thinking they have devoted a lot of their life to digging to find the truth through uh, archives and who knows what. So I would say they're the most reliable. As opposed to us just like looking around online and... Different random websites. <laughs> um, there is also a five-part Annie documentary titled Cursed the Bell Witch. One of the Bat's descendants, Hank Bats of Ashland City, Tennessee, said that his seventh great-grandmother is Kate Bats, and she was an eccentric woman who may have put a curse on the Bell family. That documentary came out in 2015. You can pay for each episode on Amazon. You may also be able to find it other places as well. Um, I didn't really look too hard to see where else you can find it, but Cursed the Bell Witch from A&E. If you want to research that, you know, even further, go ahead and watch that five-part documentary. It kind (laughs) of sounded like Kate Batts was maybe like the Karen of her times. I was going to... She sounded, according to what I read, like um, not just eccentric. Eccentric was kind of like a nice way to put it. But it sounded like she was a total busybody who got into everyone's shit and, you know, kind of threatened people if they didn't do what she said and blah, blah, blah. So take that as you will. But yeah. um, So, Mindy, you were correct on a few things. So I had to let you know. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, Sharon. Yeah. Would you say that maybe Kate was a little batty? Ah, I would say that. I would definitely say that. I've been holding that in this whole time. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) All right. So now that we did our uh, corrections slash science corner, um, (laughs) let's talk about some Tim Burton news. What? So Tim Burton is making his TV directorial debut with a live-action Addams Family spinoff about Wednesday Addams for Netflix. It's going to be a coming-of-age series that follows Wednesday Addams as she heads off to attend the peculiar Nevermore Academy. According to Netflix, Wednesday is going to be a sleuthing, supernaturally-infused mystery charting Wednesday Addams' years as a student at Nevermore Academy. She attempts to master her emerging psychic ability, thwart a monstrous killing spree that has terrorized the local town, and solve the supernatural mystery that embroiled her parents 25 years ago while also trying to juggle complicated relationships with her fellow Nevermore students. So I'm actually the most curious about her parents' history because I kind of want to know the origins of the Adams family. I don't think that's anything they ever explained in the TV show. I was just going to say, I had no idea that there was some sort of supernatural mystery with her parents. So yeah, I kind of want to know too. You thought they were just creepy and kooky and altogether ooky. (laughs) I mean... It sounds kind of similar to uh, Scooby-Doo a little bit. Aw, Scooby-Doo. Love me some Scooby-Doo. The first season will span eight episodes in series creators Al Goff and Miles 
Millar. I think I'm saying that right. If not, apologies. Um, But they are from Smallville. They will act as the showrunners. The new series is unrelated to the Addams Family animated film, which came out in 2019, featuring the voices of... Mindy's boyfriend, Oscar Isaac, who played Gomez. Hot. Charlize Theron uh, did the voice of Morticia. Chloe Grace Moretz was Wednesday. Finn Wolfhard was Pugsley. Nick Kroll, Uncle Fester, and Snoop Dogg as Cousin It. (laughs) I did not know that. That's hilarious. I kind of want to watch it, although the reviews weren't great, but... (laughs) It's a kid's movie. It's... It's goofy. Yeah. It's going to be fun at the very least. Yeah. There's also going to be a sequel to that animated Adams Family film that is set to hit theaters on October 1st, 2021. Although, I mean, I guess that is subject to change considering we are in a pandemic. Uh, Tim Burton had nothing to do with either of those films either, by the way. Unfortunately, there are no details about who the cast of the new Netflix series is going to be or any release date. We will let you know when we find out that information. Mindy, here's the million dollar question for you. Growing up, were you an Adams Family person or were you more Team Munsters? That's a really hard question um, because we're talking about deciding between I kind of was a fan of both but like Sean uh, Sean Astin's dad or I forget his name the actor from the Munsters who was in Pet Cemetery, and I feel ashamed to I say that I think his name is Fred Gwynn yes Gwynn okay um also when you were little did you know that that was Sean Astin's dad yes because my mother yes okay. Yes, I yes. <laughs> so I but I watched them both. Honestly, I don't know that I preferred one or the other, but I did enjoy the Adams Family movies with Raul Julia and um, Angelica Houston. And fun fact, my parents, when I was younger, were at some they were at some benefit for some school thing or something. And randomly at the benefit, they had goblets that were used in the second Adams Family movie. And my dad won them. So he has goblets from the Adams Family movie that Raul Julia and uh, Angelica Houston used. Can can we get their DNA? <laughs> right? Can we, can we clone them? Um, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I think growing up, I would have to say I did watch both and did like both. But if I had to pick one, I probably would have picked the monsters mm. just because they were monsters. And I, I just kind of like that aspect of them. And yeah. also... When it comes to theme songs, I'm going to have to say the Munsters theme song was better than the Adams Family. Like the Munsters theme song was almost kind of like a like a go-go dancer type song. I really dug it. Um, Sing it. it. No, there's no. It's just music. Oh, <laughs> you can find a clip and play it. Totally go-go dancing over here while that was playing. That was fun. Thank you, Sharon. But when I was older, see, I don't. When I was younger, I don't think I appreciated the Adams Family as much as I did when I was older. There, I think it's more of a grown-up type show. I think it's, um, yeah, I just have a whole new appreciation for the Adams Family now that I I didn't get all that when I was little. And the monsters, though, they were the ones that had like one daughter who was like normal, right? Or- it was, I think, their niece. Yeah, okay. which I also kind of thought was cool because I was like, oh, 
you can have a family of monsters, but not be a monster. So I was hoping that maybe I had like some extended family somewhere <laughs> that I didn't know about that was like part vampire and Frankenstein monster. Th- this Wolfman. does not surprise me whatsoever. <laughs> I also right. thought it was super cool that like she did. She also didn't like react to them like they were monsters, like they were just her family. Exactly. Uh, Burton is also currently working on Beetlejuice 2, which is the sequel to the original 1988 film starring Michael Keaton. That is 32 fucking years ago in case you want to feel really, really fucking old. Shut your whore mouth. (laughs) Damn you whores. (laughs) Yes, we need a soundbite of Carrie Weeder going, damn you whores. Damn you whores. Damn you. That's awesome. There are rumors that Burton is going to have Johnny Depp in the new film, but is unconfirmed at this time if he's in it and if he is in it, what part he would play. I also would like to know how many scarves he will be wearing. (laughs) How much eyeliner he will have on. Um, This is not the first time Burton has tried to create a sequel to Beetlejuice in the 1990s. Burton teamed up with Jonathan Gems to write a sequel with the working title. Are you guys ready for this? Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Uh, what? Yeah. I think it was maybe an excuse to just go film something in Hawaii and have a vacation. Which I I get it. That's cool. But like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And also Keaton and Winona Ryder were both reportedly on board to do this film. Well, they want to go to Hawaii, too. Who doesn't want to go to Hawaii? Um, But it was continually put off due to Burton and Keaton's involvement with Batman Returns. Too bad, because I really want to see Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Um, But before (laughs) it was eventually... um, uh, Yeah, but then it was eventually shelved altogether in 97. So the new version of the sequel has had a pretty rocky road itself. It was first announced back in 2014. After the announcement, no further details were forthcoming until five years later when Burton broke radio silence on the project to tell USA Today that nothing was happening with the sequel. At the time, much to the disappointment of millions of fans around the world, but with a flurry of news hitting the headlines, beginning with rumors that Depp will be involved with the project, pre-production work is starting to heat up, and mm. Ryder has also confirmed that she will reprise her role in the film, and small screen confirms rumors that Keaton will too. Um, he will be back playing the ghost with the most, so... That's exciting. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about Johnny Depp's involvement, but I like. I would love to see Michael Keaton in that role again. And of course, the uh, strange and unusual Winona Ryder. <laughs> yes. And also the fact that, like, you know, Winona and Johnny's history together and everything like that. Like, I'm curious to see how the involvement between those two are and I don't know if she's ever come out to say anything regarding the whole controversy with uh, Depp and Amber Heard and that whole thing. I don't know her opinions on that. And honestly, I don't even know my opinions on that because it's like he said, she said, and I've heard so many things that I like, I believe him. And then I hear, hear things where I'm like, well, I believe her. And I just don't even know what to think. And 
it's really none of my business anyways, I guess, because I wasn't there. Well, two things. One, um, I know that Winona Ryder is not on social media at all because she's I read an interview with her maybe a year or two ago and they were promoting Stranger Things. What season was that? Like the third season, I think, or whatever they did last. And she was saying that like social media is horrifying to her. And so she has, wants no part of it. Um, but I don't see her as, as commenting on anything publicly like that because she tends to be private. But the second thing is, for what it's worth, the movie um, Mandy Lane, with which stars Amber Heard, is actually a really good scary movie. So just throwing that out there. I don't have a bias either way. I haven't seen that film. It's. I think everybody loves Mandy Lane. I'd have to look it up. But uh, it's she's good in it. But yeah, I have no opinion one way or the other because you're right. We don't know the details. We weren't there. And it's really not our business. But yay for for Winona Ryder and Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice. I know. I'm so excited. We just watched Beetlejuice not too long ago with our 10-year-old niece because she had never seen it before. <gasps> it was like a, a family movie night. Well, and How did she, she like it? She liked it. Yay. Start, um, em, start em young, people. <laughs> All right, Mindy. Uh, you have a, f- a family story to tell us? I do. And it was actually, funny enough, uh, submitted to us by my mom. Um, <laughs> she sent me this email with a link to the story. And, and the email just said, maybe this would be something to talk about on your podcast, which I thought was really, really cute that she was thinking of us. And then like maybe an hour or two later, Sharon, you texted me the same link. Uh, and so when I finally got around to reading it, my reaction was basically... Holy shit. Um, so we're going to talk about this. Uh, first of all, Sharon, have either you or Spencer done one of those DNA home test things like 23andMe? Yes, we've both done Ancestry.com because my dad bought us kits as a Christmas present. Okay, okay. And did you find anything interesting? No. <laughs> you know what? It's so vague. It's like you are whatever percent eastern european well there's a lot of fucking countries in eastern europe like can you be more specific please (laughs) Uh, well i've not done any of those my cousin is really hardcore into it and i think my dad did 23andme um call me paranoid i don't like the idea of spitting into a tube and sending off my dna to wherever Though, as we kind of discussed with John Lang, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. So whatever. But I digress. Where I adopted, maybe I'd feel differently, though. Uh, Kathy Gilchrist certainly did. Uh, Kathy grew up knowing that she was adopted and adopted into a wonderful, loving family, actually. But naturally, she always wondered about her birth parents and how different her life might have been had she not been given up for adoption. So... In 2017, she went on 23andMe, and when given the option to check the box saying that she'd been adopted and was interested in finding biological siblings or relatives, she checked it. Uh, Her response, she got one match. Her third cousin, Susan Gilmore, who coincidentally happened to be, or happens to be, a successful genealogist who lives in Maine. Uh, and Kathy's from North Carolina. So uh, Gilmore had this to say, quote, we were amazed that we were a lot alike. Uh, we both were English majors and we're both teachers. 
Given her profession, Gilmore decided to help Gilchrist do some further digging into her background and was finally able to track down Gilchrist's father, a man named William Bradford Bishop Jr. And Bishop, it turns out, had been wanted by the FBI since the 1970s. Fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Recalling how she broke the news to Gilchrist, (laughs) Susan Gilmore said, Okay, I found your father. All I'm going to do is give you his name. And Gilchrist asked, is it someone famous? To which Gilmore replied, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people have his face on their walls. (laughs) Uh, What was Kathy's reaction to this news? Uh, She says, I just laughed. We have a great sense of humor in my adoptive family. And I thought, of course, my father's a murderer. So (laughs) I like her attitude. But by now, you're probably asking, well, what the hell did he do? Here's a little bit about William Bradford Bishop Jr., which comes straight from his fucking wanted poster, which you can actually view and or download, should you want to do that, directly from FBI.gov. We'll put the link in the show notes. Uh, He was born on August 1st, 1936. He's from Pasadena, California. As of 1976, which is when the poster was made, he was considered to be roughly 6'1 and about 180 pounds, white male. His occupation, United States Government Foreign Service Officer. Hmm. He was an American citizen, but he spoke English, French, Italian, Serbo-Croatian, and Spanish, which that's hardcore. Under the remarks section on the wanted poster, again, as of 1976, we learned that Bishop was and may still be an avid outdoorsman, a camper and a hiker. He had extensive camping experience in Africa. He also enjoyed canoeing, fishing, swimming, jogging, tennis, skiing, riding motorcycles. He was also a licensed amateur pilot who learned how learned how to fly in Africa. It sounds like his dating profile. Right? Uh, He got a degree from Yale and a master's in Italian from Middlebury College in Vermont. Uh, The remarks section ends with, Bishop was described as intense and self-absorbed, prone to violent outbursts, and preferred a neat and orderly environment. I was going to say, I kind of want to date this guy before you got to that last part. (laughs) He sounds like quite the catch. I was also thinking, I know somebody else who prefers a neat and orderly environment. My dad. Sharon. (laughs) Oh, well, that's who I get it from. (laughs) Okay. Um, And and my dad was confirmed my father when I got my Ancestry.com results. So no secret rich billionaire dad out there for me. Damn it. Although I still don't know if my dad's a serial killer or not. I mean... Well, um, that I wanted to provide that background just to kind of give an idea of like the fact that this guy clearly had a lot going on. Was he was no dummy? Um, on the poster next, we have the caution section, which reads as follows: Buckle up, people. William Bradford Bishop Jr. is wanted for allegedly bludgeoning to death his wife, age thirty-seven, mother, age sixty-eight and three sons, ages 5, 10, and 14, in their Bethesda, Maryland home on March 1st, 1976. He then allegedly transported
transported their bodies to Columbia, North Carolina, where he buried the bodies in a shallow grave and lit fire to them. In March of 1976, Bishop was charged locally with murder by the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office in Rockville, Maryland, and then charged federally with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. At the bottom of the poster, it says really big, should be considered armed and extremely dangerous with suicidal tendencies. Bishop did have a history of depression and he was known to be an insomniac and was actually being treated uh, for mental health issues right before, like leading up to these murders. When I first found this article, I thought it was going to be like, oh, he like shoplifted or whatever. But yikes, right? Like that's pretty fucked up. Um, A report from the Baltimore Sun states that after disposing of the bodies, police and the FBI believe that Bishop drove his car 400 miles west to the Smoky Mountains National Park in Tennessee. The car was found 16 days after the discovery of the bodies. Police bloodhounds picked up a faint scent of Bishop near the park's tourist center. Random alleged sightings of Bishop have been reported throughout the years. Officially, the fugitive is still at large. Uh, Police and even Gilchrist, his his newly newly discovered daughter, believe he's probably still alive, though he'd be around it. He'd be about in his 80s today. Um, One quick detail that I'd like to point out. Bishop did take one family member with him when he went on the lamb after murdering the rest of his family. And that was his dog, Leo. Always got to mention the pet. Sorry. Got to throw that in there. Uh, Kathy Gilchrist. At least he didn't kill the dog. What do we always say? I'm not going to watch the movie if the animal dies. Couldn't help it. I had to mention that. Had to throw that out there. Uh, Kathy Gilchrist, meanwhile, has seen pictures of Bishop's late family and was astonished by the resemblance, saying, quote, they look more like me than my own children do. And when I look at the behaviors and characteristics, it's more than clear in my mind, unquote. She also thinks she may have inherited some of the more positive traits from her paternal side. Uh, Kathy was raised by quiet and reserved adoptive parents, but says that she has always been the loudest one in the room and has a flair for theatrics. She later found out that her father had the same driven personality and her paternal grandmother also had an interest in theater. Unfortunately, I wasn't really able to find much about Kathy's birth mom other than she seems to no longer be living. However, uh, she did learn that she has two other half-sisters with whom she's now in touch. Not much is known regarding her mother's relationship with William Bishop, even to Kathy's two half-sisters who weren't even aware of her existence until she contacted them. Apparently, Kathy Gilchrist's birth mother kept Kathy's birth and subsequent adoption a secret, and that was a secret that she took to her grave. Regardless, uh, she gave Kathy and her sisters, as all three were given up for adoption, she gave them a chance at a better life, though it's not clear if Kathy's mother knew about William and his crazy crimes. But the fact that she gave up Kathy for adoption secretly, to me, kind of says that she may have suspected something about Bishop was shady, but that's purely conjecture on my part. Um, About her mom and siblings, Kathy says, quote, we just wanted to have the opportunity to thank her, but she did not want to be forthcoming about any of this information, so we didn't. 
But my birth siblings say, I think she knows and I think she's smiling that we all accepted each other, unquote. Uh, if anyone's curious to learn more about the journey of Kathy Gilchrist, you're in luck. Uh, she wrote a memoir called It's In My Jeans, and you can uh, get it from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. As always, we will put the link in the show notes. That's interesting. Yeah, my my experience with a DNA site is much more underwhelming. I will say, though, I will, I'm not naming any names, <laughs> but Spencer and I were told a story from someone we know very well who has a friend who did 23andMe or one of these sites and found out that she had some half brothers and sisters and found out that her dad supposedly was having some affairs with his secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And had like all these siblings that they were previously unaware of. So, wow. yeah, I, mine mine is pretty boring. I, I know everyone <laughs> who I'm related to as of right now. But every once in a while, I'll get an email and be like, we found a new match for you. But it's usually like fourth cousin. Like, yeah. Whatever. And did they bludgeon and burn their entire family? Probably not. Hopefully. Hopefully not. But yeah, I, like I said, I'd started out innocent enough reading this article, and then I just literally went, holy fuck, like as I got to the part about why he was wanted by the FBI. So woof, but more power to you, Kathy. I'm glad you have a good sense of humor about it. For real. Interesting story. All right, Sharon, what do you have for today? All right. Well, are there any fans of Christian Bale out there? Me, 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 me. <laughs> From The Hollywood Reporter and also a ton of other sources uh, because this news has dropped and everyone's talking about it. Netflix has closed another major deal, dropping a reported $55 million for worldwide rights to the Christian Bale gothic horror thriller The Pale Blue Eyes from director Scott Cooper. That's like what I have in my couch right now. That's chump change. 55 million. <laughs> All right. Scott Cooper, he directed Crazy Heart and Black Mass. Speaking of Johnny Depp. And Crazy Heart does not have Johnny Depp. It's not scary either, but it's a beautiful movie and I highly recommend it. I haven't seen Crazy Heart or Black Mass. I just know that Johnny Depp is in Black Mass. With a bald cap, right? That's the one with him in the bald cap. Uh, possibly, yes. I Doesn't think matter. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> the Pale Blue Eyes follows the attempt to solve a series of murders that took place in 1830 in the U.S. Military Academy at West Point. Bale will play a veteran detective who investigates the murders, helped by a young cadet who will later become a world-famous author named Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh. That is extremely interesting. And Edgar Allan Poe actually did go to West Point. So uh, I think this is, while this is, I think, pure fiction, it is semi-based on some real aspects of yeah. Edgar Allan Poe's life. Although sure. I do not think um, Christian Bale's character is an actual person in real life. There is also no word yet on who will be playing Poe. Um, but Cooper and Bell have worked together previously in the 2017 film Hostiles, which was written and directed by Cooper and starred Bell. The pair also worked together in the crime drama 
Out of the Furnace from 2015. I have not seen either of those movies either. No, I feel like Out of the Furnace, that sounds, I I remember like that being out, but no, I've not seen either of those. Cooper wrote the script for The Pale Blue Eyes, which is an adaptation of the 2009 Louis Bayard novel of the same name. The movie is due to shoot in the fall after Bale has finished his work on the upcoming untitled David O. Russell movie and also Thor Love and Thunder. Yay, another Thor movie. I know. I was like, Jesus Christ, seriously? I I do not need another superhero movie. All right. Can we just stop? Stop with the superhero movies. They make a lot of money and, you know, Bale has kids, so he's probably got expenses, you know. He's hurting for money, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, Both of those movies, though, are currently in production, meaning that we could possibly see this film sometime in late 2022 at the earliest, but who knows. Edgar Allan Poe was born in 1809, so he would have only been about 21 years old during the time the story takes place. So who would play a young Poe? I think it's going to be Timothée Chalamet. <laughs> I don't know who that is, or I do know the name, but what you is he? You know Timothy Chalamet. Did you see Lady Bird? No. He's in Lady Bird. He's in Call Me By Your Name. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I know. Okay. And also, yeah. you haven't seen Lady Bird? I know. I'm sorry. I know. Shut up. I know. He's in a lot of stuff. And yeah, I'm going to say him too, but that's only because he's the only 21-year-old actor that I know. I literally have no idea of like any young actor's names right now. Cool. Well, regardless, I think that sounds awesome and I I will watch it. Very much so watch it. It does sound really interesting. And you know what else is interesting, Mindy? What? True crime shows. (laughs) Yes, they are. Um, And now I'd like to do a really quick segment that I'm calling, I'm sorry, what's playing on Discovery Plus? Uh, This week, I did a spit take scrolling through the Discovery Plus menu when I saw an entry for a show titled Bone Detectives. Anybody? No? <laughs> I've not heard of the show. I didn't either, but just it. the title alone, I, I laughed my ass off. Is this an... Oh, okay. Sorry. Wow. My mind is usually much dirtier than it is right now. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. I know. Um, it literally took me until I read it. I'm looking at the screen. I read it like three more. Oh, Bone Detectives. Right? Bo- great name, but it's not about what you think, which is even funnier to me. The description reads, follow Discovery's world adventurous archaeologist as he journeys to the farthest reaches of the earth on a quest driven by the beliefs or the belief that secrets of the past have yet to be revealed. Carefully preserved mummies and entombed skeletons are a link to ancient civilizations. Blah, 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 blah. He's an archaeologist who goes to some of the most spectacular and remote places on our planet. Uh, So a little misleading with the title. I'm going to see if there's anything called Bone Detectives on Pornhub. I am I'm willing to bet that there is. Well, it'd probably be called Boner Detective. <laughs> right. But uh yeah, this week on Bone Detectives. <laughs> uh my 15-year-old, my inner 15-year-old thinks it's funny as hell. So I was a little let down by the description of the show, but FYI for anybody out there with Discovery Plus. Uh Sharon, do you have any actual uh <laughs> um show or movie news to talk about um well 
before I get on to what I plan to talk about, I will say that there are not many great matches for my search, which was Pornhub Bone Detectives. (laughs) But it did suggest um, a couple other titles for anyone who's interested. Bone Tales. Nice. Um, There are detective bondage porn videos. Of course. Police porn videos. Um, It's just suggesting these because she's looked them up before. Right? I was going to say, have you cleared your search history lately? (laughs) Oh, and then Bone Town. Bone Town? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. If anything happens to me, tell John Ralphio to clear my browser history. (laughs) All right. So I am super excited about this. They just announced that on April 26th, Shudder is going to have have a sequel to the In Search of Darkness documentary that came out in 2019. Uh, it's a documentary that clocks in at just about four and a half hours. And even at that length, I still did not want it to end. It's yeah. so fascinating. I loved every second of it. It's an incredible documentary that explores Edie's horror movies through the perspectives of the actors, directors, producers, and... Uh, special effects craft people who made them and also their impacts that they had on contemporary cinema in search of darkness 2 is going to premiere on shutter on april 26th um and it previously it was for sale you could actually buy the blu-ray and it had some other stuff that went with it i think a t-shirt and a poster and oh. maybe a pin or something like that and it was like 70 or 80 dollars um mm. and there was um a website that was selling it and it was limited quantities and i missed out on the first round and then i saw that they were selling it again when they got more in stock and i was like uh, do i want to spend the money on it i'm like this has to be on shutter one day eventually because the original documentary was and luckily I didn't spend, you know, $80 or whatever because, hey, it's going to be out next month and we can all watch it. And I cannot fucking wait. In Search of Darkness Part 2 dives even deeper into the fabled practical effects decade of the iconic and eclectic 80s horror movies that changed the course of film history. Nice. Packed with over four more hours. So I'm going to get a Big tub of popcorn and sit down (laughs) and watch it all in one sitting. Um, It's going to have brand new interviews with legendary horror icons such as Robert England. Yes. Nancy Allen, Linnea Quigley, who is from Return of the Living Dead, uh, special effects wizard Tom Savini, who has done special effects for like everything. Part two also features 15 new faces alongside 40 plus returning cast members from the original documentary. They're going to delve into more fan favorite titles of your favorite 80s horror movies year by year. And they're going to expand its scope to cover more international releases and also spotlighting core career retrospectives. Awesome. That 
You sound- didn't watch the first one yet, did you? Yeah, I did. Okay, good. Sorry. I was actually going to say <laughs> um, to your point about it being 4.5 hours, but like it, you didn't want it to end. There were a few nights that I was watching it like on a school night and had to literally cut myself off because I, I it just it flows really well. It doesn't feel like it's four and a half hours. And it's so interesting that I all of a sudden it was like one in the morning and I was like, shit, I have to work tomorrow. I've been watching this for like two hours. I didn't even realize. So I'm psyched for the second one. That's awesome. I know. I agree. I was like, oh, it's been four and a half hours already. We're done with this. Come on. Right. Um, And I remember after we finished it, I was like, oh, my God, please let them make a second one. Please, please, please. And they did. Thank you so much. Don't they have one about science fiction movies, too? I think there is one. If it is not out yet. They're working on it. Yes, but they are going to be doing one about 80s science fiction movies, which will also be good, but not as good as horror movies, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, there's people out there that prefer sci-fi to horror. Not me. It'll be interesting to see what kind of crossover there is, too, because there sometimes is. Because I know, like, Alien, for instance, a lot of people are like, that's horror. And a lot of people are like, that's science fiction. And it's a little bit of both, I would argue. So, ooh, 80s science fiction movies and more 80s horror. Bring it on. Sign me up. Just 80s anything in general. I mean, 80s, like the whole 80s genre, the whole decade is just, it's kind of like my, um, it's my fetal position. It's what I go to (laughs) when I need to be comforted. It really is because it was, it's when we grew up, Mindy. I mean, we were children. Everything was like so innocent back then, you know, it was just a different world from the world we know today i mean we would on saturday mornings wake up and watch muppet babies and um alvin and the chipmunks and then i would get on my bike and ride over to your house and we would go to the store and get bot magazines and then go back to your place and cut out pictures of like the corys and (laughs) um river phoenix and hang them on our walls and then play poltergeist and yeah like that just was like such a great time. And it, I'm so glad I grew up in that time before everything was like digital and social media became a thing and cell phones became a thing. And seriously, just such a great time. So, yeah, if I'm feeling overwhelmed by the world today, I'm like, I need to put on an 80s movie and just go to my happy place. Well, what I sometimes do when I'm in that mood is actually watch a true crime show that is returning uh, the HLN series How It Really Happened with Hill Harper is back for its sixth season. Uh, By the time you hear this tidbit, season six will already be up and running. Uh, But if you missed the premiere and need to find it on demand or on a streaming service, the sixth season starts uh, Sunday, March 14th with, get this, a two-hour special I know I won't want to miss Finding Susan Powell. That's tomorrow. It is in our (laughs) timeline. But people listening to this in a different timeline might have to go back and find it on demand. But yeah, I'm psyched. Um, I honestly, I don't know if there will be any new information presented about the Powell case or if this is just going to be like a fresh look at what happened. But I'll absolutely watch because I'm still totally obsessed. The new sixth episode season will also feature the mysteries of the infamous prison escape from Danamora, uh, New York. The 
billion dollar Bernie Madoff scheme, the shocking death of famed Eagles singer musician Glenn Fry, the murder of respected Dartmouth professors, and the deadly drama involving the Jenny Jones talk show. Ooh, yeah, I kind of remember hearing about that story, but um, I don't know the details, so that'll be interesting. I've never seen how it really happened, so <gasps> do I need to watch the first five seasons to watch the sixth season? No, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, but um, no, it's just they examine different cases every week. So no, literally not at all. <laughs> You're much more up on the TV shows, I think, and I'm much more up on the movies that are coming out. I I try and put on some of these TV shows and I don't know, it's, it's a little overwhelming to me because there's just so much out there. Yeah, and yeah. Then- I'll start watching something and be like, "Uh, I'm not really feeling it. And then I'll put on something else and be like, "Uh, I'm not really feeling it. Um, So, all right, but I'll I'll check out this series. Uh, So I think that is going to do it for March tidbits. Thank you all for listening to us. As always, you can write to us at horrorstalkhorror at gmail.com with anything you want to share with us. Whether it's ghost stories, true crime stories, creepy stories, whatever you would like us to read on our show, episode suggestions, suggestions of things for us to watch. Who your biological father is, maybe. <laughs> um Please subscribe to us and rate and review us. It helps us get more exposure on the the streaming platforms out there on the interwebs. Uh, We have a great interview coming up that you won't want to miss, especially if you're a Twin Peaks fan. Hint, hint, hint. Um, We also have a fun horror movie Oscar themed episode coming up that will be interactive and we will need you to vote for best actor, actress, director and film including a lot more. So be on the lookout for when and where to cast your votes. If you are able to, please do join our Patreon because you can get access to episodes earlier than everybody else. So you're cooler and maybe (laughs) see some exclusive posts. Sometimes we'll send you cool shit in like by snail mail. So if you're able to, please join us on Patreon. Uh, Please be kind to each other. Be safe. And if you're able to get that vaccine. And as always... Thanks Thanks for for getting getting creepy with us. Sharon, do you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.